0: Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 1045 AM. We hope you're encouraged by today's message stubborn person and I do not like to ask for help. And so I was reminiscing when I was writing the message and I was sharing at first service. I remember a, a season of my life where I had, I had shattered my wrist from wakeboarding. I was a youth pastor. I was doing stupid things with the youth and, and I had shattered like, I don't know, every bone in my wrist. I had to go to a surgeon and all this kind of stuff. And they, they put me in this thing they called an external fixator. They couldn't even cast it. And so I was literally, I was helpless. And during that season, I needed somebody to help be my my arm bearer, but the problem was I had this little thing that I call pride, all right? I had pride in in my life. I was so prideful, and I've shared this with you before probably, but I was so prideful I'll never forget that mowing the lawn, something so simple like asking my neighbor to help me start the, the lawnmower. We had one of those lawnmowers with the safety guards that you had to hold down, and you had to hold that down while you pull, you know, pull the cord. Well, I couldn't grip anything, so I duct taped my hand to my mower, and and then I had to come around and I was trying to pull the mower and I finally got it started and I was really proud of myself. And then my neighbor comes over and they're like, you're an idiot, all right? <laughs> like I was standing there, I could have helped you pull the cord. I'm like, no, I've got it. I've got it, right? And, and, and just that whole season, I couldn't, I couldn't tie my shoes. I had to ask my, I felt like like a toddler. I'm like, babe, can you help tie my shoes? Can you help button my pants, right? Whatever, I mean, I literally, it was, I was miserable, and it's, here's why. I had so much pride in my life, I did not like to ask for help. And during that whole season, I was in ministry. And so I'm literally standing, talking to youth and college students and preaching at church every now and again, and I'm sharing how we've got to do life together. Everything in this book right here that we call the Bible talks about doing life together. You need to stop being so prideful and ask for help. And then here I am going, I don't want anybody's help. Because there's something inside each one of us where whether or not we like it or not, and I ask you to raise your hands for a reason, there's something inside each one of us where we know that Scripture says don't do life alone, but something inside of us says don't ask for help. Don't ask for help. Like, just just pull yourself up, do it, you can do this, don't ask for help. And I'm just telling you, that's jacked up, amen? Amen. Like we believe that Jesus says, don't do life alone. We preach it to everybody else, but then something in our life says, but don't ask for help. I wanna share just a, a couple of things real quickly, and I promise you, we won't go too long. <laughs> Which didn't really give you an ending, did it? It just said, I won't go too long. Like, what does that mean? Um, there's a word that's come up over the last couple of weeks that, that we need to deal with in the Christian life, and that word is isolation. Everybody say isolation. Isolation is not a characteristic of the Christian life. Being isolated is not a characteristic of the Christian life. I I believe that there is an epidemic of isolation among Christian brothers and sisters today an epidemic, I've met with countless people going through difficulty in their life that are lovers of God that have simply isolated themselves from being around people that could be their arm lifters, their arm bearers, because they're too afraid of being vulnerable, too afraid of caring what that person may think of them, too afraid of maybe losing face a little bit, too afraid of maybe being authentic, and so they've just simply isolated themselves from Christian community when they need it the most, and let me just tell you something about that. The enemy does some of the most damage when we isolate ourselves. He loves it. He loves to to get you away from the pack. He loves you to get you away from Christian community because it's in that moment you're stuck in your own mind and your own thoughts. It's in that moment you're stuck in your own things of going, I've got to pull myself up. Nobody else is out there. The enemy absolutely loves isolation. I don't know if it's pride pride. I don't know if it's fear of vulnerability, I don't know if it's just this mentality of I've got this, but we're trying to do it on our own and we're wondering why we're struggling. And I find it interesting that we live in a, a society that's more connected, and we've talked about this before with social media, we're more connected than ever before with our Facebooks and our Twitters and our Instas. Do you call Instas or Instagrams? I'm just trying to be culturally relevant. Insta? I don't have one. But, We're trying to be, like, we're trying to stay as connected as we can, but you take away social media, and then we kind of ask that question, like, who am I? What's my close relationships? Who's my crew? Who believes in me? Who's there for me? I was reading a quote, and it said, sadly, superficiality is the disease of our time. Shallow friendships, uh, fragile relationships mark not only our society, but also our churches. I thought, man, how sad that is that... That this, this shallow friendships, shallow, fragile relationships mark what should be the deepest centered group of people, and that is lovers of God coming together, holding each other's arms up. Amen, church? I was reading statistics on this, and uh, I've shared some of these before, but it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And it says that if you've got some deeply saddening news, you just found out you, you got cancer or you're sick or whatever, or you've got some amazing news you just found out some huge praise report that they were doing statistics like how many people have somebody they can talk to they said um, over 50 percent of the participants they polled listed one name that was close enough to call if they had a tragic event happen or a positive event happen in their life they said over 30 percent of people that were participating in this poll said that they had not one person that they thought they could call that would actually care outside of a superficial thing of going oh congratulations That would actually care and so as they were kind of doing this poll and they were averaging out everybody they said 72 percent of the participants which represented america 72 percent of these participants said that they experienced loneliness in their life because they don't feel like they have somebody they can call on and i'm sitting here going man we can have like this rocking relationship with jesus we can just like, man, my relationship with God is awesome, and still feel lonely if we miss out on the other side of the Christian life, which is one another. Amen? Amen. And so at the end of the day, we're, we're missing out on a component of the Christian life that we call life together. Everybody say life together. Life together. And so to have that, though, we have to buy into relationships we have to buy into opening ourselves up. We have to buy into it's time for you and I to get a little close. You've probably experienced this if you've come to Reliance for any amount of time. We love to hug, all right? And so even if you don't love to hug, by the time you tell us that, we're already coming in for the embrace. So it's like, I love to hug, can I give you a hug? And by the time you're saying no, we're like, mm, get in here. And then you have a choice, like I'm never coming back or I'm coming back, right? but you'll never say they didn't love me. Hopefully, you won't say that. I was thinking about this at the citywide prayer the other night, you have, you know, five, 600 people gathered together at, at uh, Central Community Church. And it was all these different faith, you know, church backgrounds and denominational backgrounds all in there worshiping Jesus and, and uh, Sam that he was leading it. And he said, um, he said, hey, why don't you get up? Let's do meet and group time. Get up, give somebody a holy hug or a holy kiss. And usually you follow that with, I'm just kidding about the kiss, just give him a hug. Well, he didn't say that. He just said, give him a holy hug. And I'm like, somebody kisses me, it's on, right? I'm just saying. <laughs> Like, I'm all for this, I am not for this, all right? But it's biblical. Let me tell you, you'll find it in Scripture. We'll we'll read about it here in just a minute where there was such an in tune, embrace, in close relationship in Christian community in the time of Jesus and in the early church where they saw themselves as brothers and sisters in Christ. They didn't come into big churches on a Sunday morning and only know each other by the neighbor that I always sat by in church. That's not how they knew each other. They knew each other as brothers and sisters that the minute they walked through the door, that God stirred their hearts and they felt something deeper than just a Sunday morning experience. They saw themselves as the family of God. And yet something in church life, he brings us in on a Sunday morning where we can stand beside each other and we can praise the Lord. But the minute we go out of these doors, we don't even know who each other are during the week. And I'm torn by that. And I'm torn by that because I see this as an epidemic of isolation in Christianity where you come on Sunday morning, you get prayed over for a moment, you walk out of these doors and you have to wait six days before you feel like somebody cares about you again. And it should never happen that way. And so I've heard, I've heard of so many people saying, I just, you know, I'm just kind of a loner. I'm just, I'm just kind of one of those people who don't have deep friendships. I'm just kind of one of those people who I just kind of like to do life on my, on my own. And I'm going to tell you something. You will not find that in this book right here. Amen? You just, you won't find it in this book. Let me, there's a lot of scriptures that are one another's in scripture. Bring, bring up that list, would you, Darcy? L- listen to this. There's a bunch more. Outdo one another in showing honor. Live in harmony with one another. Greet one another with the holy kiss. Somebody underline that one. Be servants, be servants of one another, bear, bear one another's burdens, comfort one another, build one another up, be at peace with one another, do good to one another, put up with one another in love, be kind and compassionate to one another, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, love one another from the heart, be hospitable to one another. And the list could go on and on and on and on and on. Do we see that the core of scripture is that we're not supposed to do that by ourselves? The core of the word is that we're not supposed to do that by ourselves, that hopefully something in your heart's going to stir today where you're going to treat this place not just as a Sunday morning gathering place where we sip coffee, we say hi to one another, but you're going to start to find meaningful relationships with one another. For the rest of your life, you're going to begin to open your heart to one another for the rest of your life, And, and I'll tell you where arm bearers comes from. If you guys have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. Real quickly, I'm going to read through this. We get a picture of the Israelites, they've just left uh, Egyptian captivity, they're traveling to the Promised Land, the Red Sea has just happened, and they encounter their first real big battle with the Amalekites. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. Moses said to Joshua, choose Some of your men and go fight against the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered and Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses's hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands. Aaron and Hur held his hands up one on one side one on the other so that his hands remain steady till sunset so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword so here they are they've got their worst, first real encounter, encounter with this enemy fresh out of Egyptian captivity and let me just tell you everything about this scripture screams God in it they came out of a captivity they hadn't studied to be warriors in the last 2 weeks they weren't skilled like the Amalekites were skilled in warfare. The Amalekites were ruthless. And so they encountered this army, and there's something that very, very strategic that God is trying to teach us right now in his word. And, and if I were to ask you it, who the main character of, of this story is, of course we would say God. He's always the main character, amen, always. But if I were to say, okay, so, so God's the main character, then who? Some of us might say, well, Moses. Moses is the main character. Moses had the staff of God, and so you know, Moses had to hold it up, and as long as he held it up, there was victory. Some of you might say Joshua, because at the end of the day, Joshua is the one swinging the sword. Joshua's the main character. But if we were to take a closer look at the story, although Moses and Joshua play important roles, what I would say is it's the people that surround them that are the key players of this story. Joshua's battle below was contingent on whether or not Moses could keep his hands up and holding up his staff. If he could do it, Joshua was victorious. If he couldn't, Joshua was going to be defeated. So Joshua was counting on Moses. Moses, his battle above on the mountainside was contingent on how tired his arms were going to get on keeping his hands up with the staff of the God in, with the staff of God in the air. So all of these, Joshua and Moses, were contingent on whether or not they could keep those things going on. If either one of these guys were alone, let me tell you something, we would read this story differently. If either one of these guys were alone, Joshua would have failed had the staff of God not been held up. Moses would have failed had somebody not come around him. See, to me, this is strategic for the way God's kingdom works in our life. We say yes to Jesus, everybody say yes, Yes. that's the first step, and then we say yes to one another in letting ourselves into one another. This is strategic what it means to be the kingdom of God. God knows all things, we know this, God knows all things, and it wasn't like God wrote this story and he asked Moses to go up to the mountain and hold his hands up, and Moses is holding his hands up, and then God is like, wow, Moses, I didn't realize that you were going to fail in your strength. It wasn't like God didn't know that, that, that Moses wasn't going to be able to do that for a long time. It wasn't like all of a sudden this was an epiphany to God, like, I just didn't think you were going to fade out so quickly, Moses. You've been doing CrossFit and all that stuff, right? <laughs> like, something in here was a deeper meaning than just saying Moses held a staff up, Joshua fought the army, and they all came out victorious. There's something deeper, because God knew in this moment when he called Moses up to the mountain that he was going to grow tired, because God is all-knowing. And then here we are, Aaron and her come along because Moses wasn't going to win the fight by himself. He needed arm bears. So let me just share two quick things with you guys today. We need arm armbears because we need encouraged in at times a discouraging life. Amen? Now I'm gonna take that as an amen. That was a deep-seated amen. Ah. I love it. I love we're family. I don't know who that was. We're family. God bless you. Um, we, we just live in a life that is way too easy to be discouraged. Can I, can we just, be, here's a word that we prayed over the chairs today before you guys came in. We walk these chairs, we pray, we pray, pray. Here's a word that the Lord said, can we just have an authenticity in this place today? Can we just be authentic? Authentic means we take off our mask, you get to see all of this stuff that just goes blah, right? And I get to see all yours, and you're just blah, and there's just blah all over the place. That's what authenticity means. It means you get to see the real me. I don't have to hide behind church clothes. I don't have to hide behind smiling. I don't have, I get to be authentic with you. And so can I just ask you in the last month, how many of you guys have been discouraged in life? Okay, so, so pretty much every hand in this room has said in the last month, at some point in time, I have faced discouragement. And there's probably many, 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 many more who would say I've faced discouragement a lot longer in this than, than just this past month. Let, let me share with you what scripture says again here in verse 12. Moses is up on the mountain, he's holding his hands up, and in verse 12 it says, When Moses' hands grew tired. Somebody say, "tired." Tired. We all get tired. We all get tired. It's a part of life. I, even Moses, if Moses, the guy who has a staff of God in his hand and can put it in the Red Sea and part the Red Sea because of the power of God, if Moses, the guy who can take the staff of God and hit a rock and water flows out of it, if, if Moses, if he was a guy who could get tired, can we just stop pretending that we don't get tired and discouraged in life? Can we just be real that I don't have it all together? I'm telling you, I don't have it all together. I don't. In fact, I would say over the last couple of weeks, I've had it less together than all together. Amen? And I'm reading here, and I'm saying Moses grew tired, and I'm going, if, if God wanted to, he could have done supernatural in Moses. He could have said, Moses, I'm not going to let you get tired. He could have said, Moses, you parted the Red Sea because of my power. You stuck that st- your, your, the rod into the rock and water flowed because of my power. Now I'm going to give you my power where you're going to be able to stick your arms up all day long and never let them down. But that's not how the story reads. The story reads that Moses' hands grew tired. And I think that you and I need to know that there are times in our life that we grow tired and we grow discouraged and we ask the question of, how am I going to get through this? I don't want to reach out for help. I don't want to ask anybody help. I don't want to be a burden. I hear that all the time. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want anybody to think that I'm a burden. I don't want people to know what's really going on in my heart. Whatever the reason is, does that sound familiar to some of you? And it literally says in verse 11, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. At some point in time, from what it's reading, Moses had lowered his hands and the Amalekites had the advantage. And so I see this, like Moses trying with everything he has, and he just starts to fade a little bit, and his arms go down. And then all of a sudden, the Amalekites take the advantage. And then he realizes that, and he puts his hands back up. And all of a sudden, Israelite takes the advantage. And then he's just, man, he's everything he's got. He's like, I could do this. And he just, his hands start coming down. And I can see Joshua on the battlefield going, seriously, Moses, just keep him up, right? <laughs> but you and I feel the same way in our life. Like, Why can't I just keep my hands up? If Moses' hands grew tired, our hands grew tired. We get discouraged. But something happened. The guys who went with him noticed something. He isn't going to be able to do this without us. And so it says that Aaron and Hur, they took a stone, they put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other side. And look what it says, church. And his hands remained steady till sunset. His hands remained steady. Somebody say steady. We need people to come alongside of us so that our arms remain steady. We cannot, we cannot do this on our own. This is what the body of Christ is for, to be arm bearers, to come up underneath you, to help you. Let me tell you something that I see in Aaron and her that I love. This is going to speak to some of you in here today. Aaron and her they, 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 they recognized that Moses was getting tired without him asking them. <laughs> He didn't say, hey guys, I'm, I'm really getting tired. Aaron and Hur did not receive word that Moses was struggling. Then they had to leave the camp and march up the mountain. No, see when Moses left to march up the mountain, Aaron and Hur went with him. They went with him because when they were up there from the beginning, they saw the struggle of Moses. Moses didn't have to say, Aaron and Hur, I'm really struggling. They went with him, they saw the struggle and they just simply came in without being asked. Sometimes you and I need to discern when somebody's hurting that they're not going to ask me, so I'm just going to come in. Amen? Amen. Somebody needs to know in this room that there are times in their life when somebody is struggling deep inside, and you know it because you discern it. You can sense it. You can see it. You've heard about it. And instead of going, do you want me to come in? You just come in. Hey, look, I I cooked dinner for you tonight. Look, we're going to come over. We're going to mow your yard tonight. We're going to come over. We're going to pray with you tonight. We're going to come over. We're going to invade your life tonight. Amen? We're going to hug you even if you say no. Right? Aaron and her, Moses didn't have to say, Guys, guys, I'm struggling. They saw the struggle. They came in. It never says that Moses said, Please get me a stone so I can set on. Please, one of you come here, one of you come here. Aaron and her saw the need and they came in and they met the need. When we are present with people, listen to me, church, when we are present with people and we carry the love of Jesus, we jump in. Amen. We jump in. When someone is struggling, the first thing we said that the enemy does is try to isolate them because they don't want to be a burden. They don't want to be a struggle for someone. Sometimes we just need to recognize the struggle and jump in. And can I say this? Um, When you jump in, it's not always a thankful job. Sometimes it's a thankless job. I picture when they're coming off of the battlefield, they've just won this victory. Everybody's like, Joshua, you're the greatest military commander, awesome. Everybody's you know, patting him on the back, great job, fight. Moses is coming down with the staff of God and everybody's like, Moses, greatest leader of all time, right? And then Aaron and Her come down and they're looking for the accolades and everybody's like, we don't know who you guys are. And then they, sometimes when you come around somebody, you're not coming around them so that you get the glory. <laughs> The arm bearers, I'm sure, when they came down the hill, the arm bearers didn't receive the glory. So it's a thankless job at times, and sometimes it's a job where you don't get much recognition, but it's still a job for church folks who love Jesus, amen? It's still a job for the body of Christ. We come around one another. Who are your arm bearers in your life today? Real quickly, one more thing I want to say on this. This battle was more than just a physical battle, it was a spiritual battle too. The physical battle that was taking place obviously was happening, but there was a spiritual battle that was taking place as well, and we need people to come into our spiritual battle. While Joshua was fighting a physical battle down on the field, Moses was fighting a spiritual battle in the will, and the men that came on both sides of him and lifted his arms up were in the fray with him. And I believe with all of my heart that this posture that Moses had with the staff of God was a posture of prayer. God, we know you can do it. And sometimes we need people to come around us and just pray with us. We need people to come around us when we're discouraged. We need people to come around us when we feel undervalued, unworthy, when there's addictions, when there's frustration, when there's loneliness. Then we need people that says, I'm just gonna prop you up in prayer right now. I'm just gonna hold you up in prayer right now. And look what happened in verse 13. So they came on both sides and it says, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. The physical battle was won because the spiritual battle was won. I'm gonna say that again. The physical battle was won because the spiritual battle was won. Because somebody came around Moses and said, we stand with you, we pray with you, we're with you. I was writing this and I just, I want, I want you to know, I had this like dream in my head, this imagery. What if church stopped becoming a place where we gather at 1045? Or 9 a.m. What if church stopped becoming a place where we just did that and that was the only time that we interacted with people? And I had this picture. I had this picture of grouping families together, individuals together, like five by five by five, and you knew that there was at least five families praying for you every single week. How many guys would like that? Yeah because when you know that somebody's praying for you, you know that you're not alone, you know that you're not isolated. And so I had this picture in my head, this dream of all of these families right here, like you guys and you guys and you guys in middle and back and, and front, that you guys are praying for one another and you're not just saying, hey, I'll pray for you, you mean it. That when you come in, you're not sitting by a stranger, you're sitting by your brothers and sisters in the same way that you love your family, that you're loving on one another. And then it's changing the culture because then from there you're like, it's not just happening in here. I'm so passionate, now I'm going to go back to my community, my HOA, and I'm going to pick everybody in my cul-de-sac and I'm going to pray for all of them. And they're not going to know it. But when they're going through the fray, I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to hold their arms up. You see, there's something strategic when we get together as armor bearers, as arm bearers, and we hold each other's arms up and we say, not only am I going to be in the physical battle with you, but I'm going to be in the spiritual battle with you as well, but let me just tell you, for, for, for you to have somebody come into your life, you have to actually open your journey up to them. The only way people can hold up your hands is if you invite them to be a part of your journey. I, l- I realize that community looks different to all people, and some of you guys are probably a little bit more loners, you like to do life a little bit more alone, but I'm telling you right now. You have one or two or three or four people in your life that want to be arm bearers for you this morning. I, I want to see church, I want to see church stop being a Sunday morning gathering place. I just do. I, I, I want to see church not be just, I come in at 1045 to 12, probably 20 today, okay. Probably. I want to see it more, and I believe that you want to see it more too. I'll be honest with you, when my neighbor came over and like, what are you doing, like why didn't you just ask me, everything in me wanted to say to, to him, man I could have used you like five minutes ago. But that pride in me said, no, 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 I'm going to do it myself. And I'm telling you right now, church, that's exactly where the enemy wants you to be at today. He doesn't want you to believe that somebody wants to come alongside you and lift your arms. He wants you to believe that this is is good enough. You come in, you, you mix it up. You don't know anybody's name, but you mix it up for a few minutes with coffee, and then you leave for a few minutes, and you exit for those doors, and this is it. And I'm telling you right now, man, according to everything in here, that that's not what the body of Christ looked like. They were in it with one another, they were in the fray with one another. So here's what I'd like to do this morning, and I'm just going to ask you for two things. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a minute, I'm going to ask you if, if in this room today, and, and we did this in the early service as well, and you know what, I, I'm, I'm asking you to close your eyes just because some feel more comfortable with this. In this room today, if, if you know that you could use a couple of arm bears in your discouragement, You're just, man, your heart is just downcast. And you know, like, you know pride maybe has kept you isolated and pushed you away. Can you, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to pray over you. Nobody's looking. But would you just raise your hands up like somebody's holding your arms up? Yeah, all all, all over. There you go. Keep, keep going. If you know that you need arm bearers today, I just want to speak into your life. I just want to speak into your life with your arms up. Keep them up for a minute. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see arms up all around this room. And God, I'm sure just like Moses, when he started, he felt strong. He's like, I got this. I can hold this staff up. This is no worries. But then as time progressed, God, and as time went on, his arms began to get tireder and tireder and tireder until he eventually had to put them down. So God, I'm praying for those with their arms up today, that they would know that you are bringing arm bearers to them. God, that you are bringing people to lift up their arms today. People that want to walk beside them. People that don't want to just mix it up, God, on a Sunday morning, but people are ready to get dirty with them on Monday through Saturday. I'm praying, Heavenly Father, that right now those with their arms up, God, that you're stirring people's hearts in this community and even outside of this community, Father, where we're going to come alongside them and lift their arms up, Jesus. Would you give them hope right now, Father? You're in the waiting, God. Would you give them hope right now that arm bearers are on their way? Amen and amen. Go ahead and put your arms down. And I want to do one more thing. This is symbolic. I know we got a lot of people in here. And and you may come back to church, or you may not come back because of this, but I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to hold the hand of the person next to you. Some of you are like, I knew I should have left at noon. And and then hold your hand across the the aisle, please. I want to be unified, and here's why. We cannot say that we're a church, family, if we don't act like family. And you may say, my family doesn't even hold hands. And I'm gonna tell you, this family holds hands because we deeply love each other, not because we just made that up, but because that's what the Word says. We're connected to one another deeper. God wants to move, and I'm telling you right now, this is contagious right here. This is contagious. And so as we hold hands today, I'm gonna pray that this is symbolic, that God is going to do something bigger than just reliance, that God is going to do something bigger right now. Father, we pray, Jesus, that as we link arms together. We link hands together. I'm going to pray, Heavenly Father, that we would see ourselves as arm raisers, arm bearers for somebody else, that God, even outside of these walls, we're going to be arm bearers for our community, Father, that we're going to go into our workplaces and we're going to be arm bearers in our workplaces, that we're going to go into our schools and be arm bearers, God, for classmates that need to have an arm raised, Father. So God, we're praying that this is symbolic, not just here at Reliance. But for something that you want to sweep across this city with, that we are called in the Christian community to be arm bearers. Now, everybody raise your arms together. Raise your arms. Let's go. And so, Father God, as we raise our arms up, I want to see that every single person in here doesn't raise their arm up alone. Somebody is beside us. Somebody is standing with us, and so may it be today, God, we stop trying to do it on our own, but we've got people that stand beside us. Let this be what marks the Christian community, God, in Wichita, in the surrounding communities, in Kansas, and in the world, where we stand with one another, and we have victory in Jesus. The victory is already ours. We just need somebody to come and stand with us and lift our arms. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And all God's people, said. Put your arms down. Let's close out with this last song. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.